1: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never
0: Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, do you remember the year 2006? Vaguely. <laughs> it's only four years ago. Yeah. Um, 2006 was... Kind of a magical time, I think, because the world was awaiting the birth of one Surrey Cruise. And really, Surrey Cruise deserves a lot of podcasts. I mean, we could talk about people's fascination with celebrity children, wearing high heels when you're three. By by
1: Surrey Cruise, you're referring to the offspring of Katie Holmes and Tom Cruise, correct?
0: Yes. Um, Wikipedia refers to her as Tom Kitten. Tom Kitten. Because they're Tom Cat. Right. Um, but anyway, the thing I, I was thinking about when I was thinking about Sarah Cruz, as I frequently do, apparently, um, is back in old 2006 when Tom Cruise announced he was going to eat her placenta. Do you remember this? You know, I
1: don't remember that. The only thing I remember from that whole fiasco was him jumping up on Oprah's couch.
0: Yeah. Screaming, I love her! <laughs> oh, if only we had a couch and could reenact that moment. It would be special. Well, in 2006, when old Tom Kitten was on the way, Tom Cruise said, I'm going to, I'm going to eat the placenta. And it it garnered headlines because like the couch jumping, everyone was like, that's sort of weird, Tom Cruise. Why are you doing that?
1: Well, and usually isn't the, the mother the one who eats it if
0: the placenta is eaten?
1: Isn't it usually by the mom, not the dad?
0: Well, that's, that was a question that didn't even really come up just because everyone was still kind of blown away by, by, the option of eating a placenta. But, I mean, lots of cultures have really interesting rituals surrounding this organ that nourishes a child when it is in the womb. Yeah, we found a very informative article by Sarah J. Buckley
1: entitled Placenta Rituals in Folklore from Around the World. And uh, and you're right, Mo. I mean, there are all, all sorts of things that uh, that folks do. In Cambodia, the baby's placenta, which is called, quote, the globe of the origin of the soul has to be buried in the right location in order to uh, to protect the baby mm-hmm. after birth.
0: One of my favorite um, rituals comes from Turkey, where the placenta is known as the friend or comrade of the baby, and it must be wrapped in a clean cloth and buried. Uh, but the cord from the placenta, um, you have to, if you want your kid to be well-educated, for example, you throw it over a schoolyard wall. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine being pl- playing in the schoolyard and all of a sudden cord comes flying <laughs> <You're> pelted, over.
1: <laughs> pelted in the face by a placenta. Um, what are some other ones we liked? Well, in uh, in Malaysia, when a baby smiles unexpectedly, he or she is said to be playing with the older sibling, a.k.a. the placenta.
0: Just kind of sweet. I like how a lot of these um, relate around the placenta being a companion for the, the child in the womb. Yeah. I mean, you're stuck in there for nine months. You got to do something. Yeah. A um, spooky, but let's see what else
1: for Navajo children,, uh, their placenta will be buried uh, at four corners of the reservation to ensure that they
0: will always be connected to the land and will return home at some point after they grow up. That's very sweet. In Transylvania, if you desire no more children, then you will burn the baby's placenta and mix it with ashes, and then the husband would drink this to render himself infertile. So,
1: maybe Tom Cruise was saying, we should have read between the lines here, okay, maybe Tom was saying, by wanting to eat the placenta,
0: that that he, he wanted to he, Nip he it in the bud. Done with kids. <laughs> it's Didn't possible. Kids. If I ever meet Tom Cruise, I'm going to ask him about that. Yes. Ask him what he knows about Transylvanian placenta <laughs> lore. <laughs> That's the best pickup line I've ever heard. Um... But in ancient Chinese medicine, that's sort of where the whole idea of eating the placenta comes from, and it also comes from the old animal kingdom.
1: Yeah, because a lot of lower order mammals will eat their placenta. Well, the mothers obviously will eat their placenta during childbirth, and this is thought to reduce pain and has anti-inflammatory effects for for the for the mama.
0: And so they're saying that if you, the belief is that if you consume the placenta in some form, and there are a few forms that it can take, some women have it dried out and made into pills. Some women just go ahead and make a meal out of it. And we found several recipes for things like placenta pizza, placenta lasagna, placenta cocktails, could,
1: placenta we could roast. Go on. We could really go on.
0: Um Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, don't look at the pictures that are associated with it and just try and think of it as a Ingredient. Yeah, probably not a good Google image search. Not around lunch. Found that out the hard way. Um, but the belief is that the, if the mother consumes it, it can, it can relieve pain in the form of postpartum depression. And a lot of women take this pretty seriously. And anecdotally, you know, they say that they don't have depression. Is it the placenta placebo, as Kristen called it earlier this morning? I don't know there's not a whole lot of studies on it in fact they've done studies in animals where they'll deprive the animal of the placenta and they don't seem to suffer any form of postpartum depression mm-hmm. um and mark crystal who has studied uh placenta eating in animals a lot says that it's really probably pain relief during the delivery that they kind of while they're delivering the kid kind of Lick at the area to get at the placenta juices. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the that royal- a sense I never thought I'd say. Yeah, <laughs> no, they just kind of trying to bypass
1: that. the The Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists in the UK also came out with a pretty formal statement that said that if mothers are already well nourished, then there's really no health benefit from eating the placenta.
0: Based on an article that I read um, from ABC News, though, it seems like more and more moms in the United States are interested in doing something with the placenta. Mm-hmm. I mean, you read about how people use the placenta all around um, the world, and it seems like in the United States it comes out and it's pretty much just deposited. It's considered medical waste. In fact, there have been women who have wanted to keep their placenta for some purpose, and they've had to go to court to say, you know, that's mine. It's like giving me the... Consoles that you took out or whatever.
1: Yeah. And in Hawaii, it's been um, more of a problem because uh, native Hawaiians will plant the placenta with a tree mm-hmm. to grow as the child grows. And it's referred to as, as their you know, placenta tree to kind of chart their, their growth as a, as a person. And so there have been a lot of legal problems with some hospitals not allowing the moms to, to take the placenta home.
0: So the thought is that even after it exits the body, the placenta, which has been providing nutrients to the baby all along, does not all of a sudden lose all the hormones, growth factors, immune molecules, lipids, at- nucleic acids, all these things that were good for the baby, they're still present as good for the earth, good for the mother, mm-hmm. even after um, birth, and maybe even good for other people. Yeah. Because we found an article in Slate, that talked about dropping by on your lunch hour and getting a placental transfusion. Right. Now since the
1: late nineteen fifties, placental extract has been available in Japan. And even today, there are some clinics that will allow you to go in and actually get an IV drip of these of this placental extract so that you can supposedly benefit from all of those rich compounds and nutrients that are in found in placentas.
0: Yeah, they only, they don't have a lot of data on any of this, eating it, infusing it. Um there's really no data on it. There there was one small study that um Slate found from Korea where they injected women um between the ages forty and sixty four with uh placental extract. And the women did report that they had um significantly lower menopausal symptoms uh than the ones who were just the the control group and they had decreased fatigue and they had um, improved immune systems. Mm -hmm. But it's a very small study. It's not considered definitive, but that's the one thing they found that suggests that maybe these compounds are still good and can still work their magic after they've exited the womb.
1: Well, and I thought it was interesting, too, that Japan's National Health Insurance will cover placental treatments for liver disease and um, these symptoms of menopause, and some people will actually just pay out of pocket to um, have these injections for treatment of fatigue, insomnia, and uh, to uh, combat aging. Mm
0: -hmm. Speaking of combating aging, Kristen, you can buy face cream that has placental extract, either from a human or from a cow.
1: Yeah, uh, placental extract became a pretty popular uh, cosmetic ingredient in the 1940s in the U.S. because uh, they claimed that it would remove wrinkles and stimulate tissue growth. However, the FDA hasn't really um, been on board with all of these placental skin claims.
0: Yeah, they basically came in and said, you can't promise you're going to make people look younger. And so I think now they just don't promise it, but you'll find in the ingredients, hey, you've got placenta in here. It's the fountain of youth. I mean, you know, babies, youth, it it ties together.
1: Well, and evidently in the 70s, I thought this was uh, kind of funny. A lot of shampoos and conditioners were marketed as having placental extract in, in them as well to make your hair grow long and strong and healthy. And now that's kind of a uh,
0: fallen by the wayside. Babies are known for their strong and healthy hair. <laughs> yes. um, but you know what? I kind of wonder if it's just extracts, can it really have all these nutrients? I mean, like Mark Crystal, the guy who we were talking about earlier, who studied it in animals has basically said, if you cook it, you're going to destroy all the proteins. Mm-hmm. If you dry it out, you're destroying other things. So, I mean, if you're just taking extracts, Does it really still pack a punch? And that's what really no study can tell us so far. Yeah. And so far, in terms of
1: its use in skincare products, uh, they've only been able to say that, yes, it can protect your skin and help hydrate it, but it's no better than, you know, any other kind of additives that are. Sounds like like every moisturizer. Right. And in terms of wound healing, that's one of the, the claims. That uh, you know, placental extract will stimulate all this cell regrowth and will help with healing. But it's also been found to be no more effective than any
0: antiseptic. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I do think one way that I found when we were researching this topic where placentas can be really effective. What? When you make teddy bears out of them. Oh, I was... Worried you were going to go there. Kristen did not like the placenta teddy bear as much as I did. But basically, um, this guy from London, Alex Green, he's a designer, took a placenta and wanted to kind of shake up how people thought of it. You know, he probably read the same things we did, where it's used around the world for various things. And he knew that in the United Kingdom and the United States, it's sort of just considered medical waste. Um, he said that he read the ancient Egyptians revered the revered the pharaoh's placenta so much that they put it on a pole like a flag for public display. Hmm. So he had all that in his mind, and so he took a placenta, he cured it with salt to kill the bacteria and remove the water, and so then he's got kind of like a dried placental skin, mm-hmm. and then he fills it with a mixture of eggs and tannins and sews it filled with brown rice. And if you, I mean, you can Google placenta teddy bear and see an image of it. It's not the cutest teddy bear ever.
1: But, I mean, it does kind of look like a brown leather teddy bear.
0: Yeah. I mean, if what's going to be more special to a kid
1: <laughs> than a teddy bear made of its own placenta? I can think of a lot of things, Molly. <laughs> I mean,
0: if if you're given the choice between a, a cuddly fake teddy bear and a placenta teddy bear, you uh, really... I'd probably take the cuddly one. Yeah, yeah. But you do have to kind of admire the fact that he's going to take something that we consider waste and try and make it into something that's art.
1: Sure, and placenta art isn't all that uncommon either. Women will, you know, use their placenta and integrate it into um,
0: kind of ritualistic uh, art art projects. Now it's I think it's fairly well known that neither Kristen nor I have given birth. So we actually have I, I haven't <laughs> seen a placenta up close. Have you, Kristen? Uh no, not that I can remember. So we are, I, I I am willing to admit right here that maybe we would have a different opinion if we had seen one up close. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, which like is, you said, anecdotally, some, some of these women will swear by the healing properties of placentophagy, mm-hmm. i.e. Eating, eating placenta. Mm-hmm.
0: So admitting that we haven't seen one, we want to hear from you women out there who have. And men. Right. So when it came out, were you like... There's my kid's teddy bear. Were you an, at all interested in eating it? Were you at all interested in smearing it on your face via a moisturizer? Well,
1: I, I have a hunch that, you know, probably going into the birth, women will have decided long before then whether or not they're going to want to keep their placenta. It doesn't seem like, you know, it's kind of a opera delivery room thing where you're like, yes, <laughs> give me the placenta. Let's take it home. You're probably more distracted by the fact that you also had a baby. Yes. So since, Molly and I have never had to personally make a placenta related decision at this juncture in our lives. We want to hear from you guys about, uh, if you have had to do it, what, you know, if you just, uh, did away with the placenta or if you said, Hey, why don't we, why don't we cook up some placenta lasagna? There's no harm in trying, no harm, no foul. Because so far our research, you know, doesn't exactly back up all of these health benefits, but but, you know, why would it come out if we weren't supposed to do something with it? Exactly. Why would so many people be doing this for so long if maybe there there wasn't something behind it? So give us your perspective.
0: And we will. Let's close out by saying that even though Tom Cruise gained all those headlines for saying he was going to eat it, he kind of then later recanted. We actually have no idea whether Surrey Cruise's placenta ever went into anyone's stomach. Hmm. On that note, listener mail. Listener mail.
1: So we've got an email here. Speaking of birthing, we've got an email here from Diana about birth order from our podcast about whether or not birth order influences your personality. She said, I thought it was interesting because as a firstborn I had a lot of the characteristics the author gave of firstborns. And I could see that my brother, who is nine years younger, was showing the qualities of the secondborn and youngest children. I recently read the birth order book by Dr. Kevin Lehman, and he breaks down birth order and all the exceptions. You guys didn't talk about all the characteristics of people in different places in a family. For example, in my experience, class clowns are the youngest children. All of my past boyfriends, except one, were youngest children, and they were all class or work clowns. Lehman says that it's because the youngest children do it for the attention when their older siblings are getting attention by excelling in academics or sports. Well, as a youngest child, I don't entirely agree with uh, Lehman's.
0: Just keep reading the email, Kristen. Okay.
1: Uh, John Stewart, Jim Carrey, Ellen DeGeneres, and Eddie Murphy are all youngest children, including your truly Kristen Conger. <laughs> That'll soon be added to the list, you know, Once I reach global fame. I was recently promoted to a position at my job that requires excellent organizational and communication skills, and I was sent to corporate headquarters for training with about 20 others from around the country. After a day or so out of curiosity, I asked everyone their birth order. Everyone was a first or only child except two. Interesting. One of which was a class clown and another was in what Lehman calls a role reverse family. She was the youngest but her parents were divorced and her mother held her responsible for her older sister, so she has traits that normally the older oldest child would have. Parents definitely determine how children will turn out and every family is different, but I think there's something to it.
0: Okay. Thank you, Diana. We'll read another one on the same topic from Katie, who writes, As a first child myself, I know I'm biased, but I have some opinions about the Birth Order podcast. I am two years older than my brother, and I live in an upper-middle-class neighborhood and go to a great school. I've always felt that he got the better end of the deal, but I suspect that I'd feel the same way if the rules were reversed. It's probably a grass is always greener on the other side situation. My brother does benefit from much more relaxed rules and more privileges than me. I was the last one of my friends to get my own cell phone in eighth grade, whereas he received one at the end of fifth grade. He's rewarded monetarily for good grades when I am not. My parents also let him do things at his age that I was never allowed to do. This could either be because my parents realized they could let a child out on a longer leash and the child would still survive, or be because he's a boy. Either way, it's infuriating. I also happen to be friends with almost all oldest siblings. We all feel that we're stuck doing much more work than our younger siblings. If a younger sibling doesn't want to do something, we always have to do the task for them. Additionally, younger siblings at our school have a much easier time. They have friends where they come into the school because they know all the older siblings' friends. They also have tips from older siblings on specific teachers and always have homework help from someone who took the class a little more recently than parents. All of the uber geeks are also younger siblings because they have older siblings who taught them higher level skills. I'm still at the top of my class without a big brother or sister, although I'm certain things would be different if I had one. So as for the overall question of the podcast, does birth order determine your personality? I think the answer is yes.
1: Emily, I'd like to point out something. I think we've gotten more email about this from oldest siblings than the younger cohorts. Because
0: we're so driven to write in. Yes. (laughs) We're just off clowning around. (laughs) You youngest siblings. Can't be bothered. Um... Well, if you've got an opinion on birth order, placenta, or anything else, we would love to hear from you. Our email is com. We've also got a lot of things like our blog. It's called How To Stuff. And we've got articles on everything related to childbirth, including probably some stuff on placentas if you're at all interested. And again, all of that is located at howstuffworks.com.